communion. Actually brought in, a, we always, we've been doing this the last several years. When Michelle and I pastored in uh, Garden Grove, a lady came to us on our very first uh, December. She handed us a gift right before church. She says, open it. I'm thinking, we're getting ready to start church, right? So I opened it up, and it was what was called the Christmas nails. I'd never heard the story before. So um, I remember I, I read the story right then. In fact, I wanted to read it to, to us today. We gave this out as a Christmas ornament in 2016. How many of you got, were here and got one of these? All right. And I apologize if you put it on your tree and it tipped your tree over <laughs> because it's a railroad spike. But it gives the example. In fact, it was the, the story of the Christmas nail. It, it basically is without Jesus' death and resurrection, there would be no celebration of Christmas, right? As we know it today. No starry night in Bethlehem would mean anything today if it wasn't for the end of the story. Christmas nail would become a private devotion to those that hung it. It would serve as a reminder each time they looked at their tree that it was a tree upon that Jesus would die and redeem the world. The Christmas nail was to be hung on a sturdy branch, a branch near the trunk, a branch that would hold such a spike without anyone noticing it except for those that hung it and knew its meaning. The nail is known only by the home that it hangs in. It's understood only by the heart that knows its true significance. The Christmas tree but foreshadows the Christ tree, which only Jesus could decorate for us by the sacrifice of his life. Well, if you take your communion elements and if you'd open up uh, the bread and the wafer, I want to read a, a verse here before we take the bread of what Jesus said. This was his body broken for us. Galatians chapter 3 Verse 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul writes, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us. He became a curse for us. He broke the bread with his disciples to remind them that it was his body that would be broken. So Lord, as we come today with the broken body, you tell us to do this often to remember you. We remember you today in our bodies. Maybe we're standing here today believing for healing for a relative, a neighbor, somebody else. But we come and we recognize that your body was broken for me. And I remember you today and every day. Let's receive the bread together. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, Peter writes, talking about Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live 
for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. He bore the sins, our sins, on his body on the tree. And I, I like how that verse says, having died to sin that we might live for righteousness. Jesus took the cup, he gave thanks, and he passed it and he blessed it around. And he wanted them to remember that it was his shed blood that was being shed for them. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, as we come be before and we remember you, we thank you that 1 John 1.9 says that if I confess my sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. The Apostle Paul says, take time, examine yourself. And so, Lord, we do that today, confessing those sins to you, coming under that blood of Jesus, but remembering Jesus' words of the covenant of his promise, these promises in the word for us today. Let's receive that together. And Eric, let's sing that chorus again. Stand with me if you uh, would. You can place your cup right in the seat uh, in front of you. Let's close our... Uh, we're going to uh, dismiss our youth if they haven't snuck out already. Today is Youth Sunday. You can uh, be dismissed. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so if you didn't know, the red jacket, everybody had a comment. So about, four, I think we were figuring out this might be the fourth or fifth Christmas. Ernie, we were tearing down the Christmas nativity, and he came out and he said J.C. Penney's was closing, and they had free clothes on a rack, and I thought, no, it wasn't free clothes, and I got you a red jacket. So I wear it every December, um, and I wear it in July. No, I don't do that. Don't wear it in July, just to throw. Uh, so anyways, so it is. Uh, I don't know, kids can't sit on my lap. We don't do any of that. You know, I'm not Santa. I shaved off the no-shave November. Uh, anyway, so we're, uh, we're good to go. All right, a couple announcements. In fact, um, if, if you didn't hear about it, uh, make sure actually see me even at the end of service. So tonight is our open house at our house, 5 o'clock. You can drop in uh, like whenever, and it's bring an appetizer or dessert uh, to share. If you need uh, my address, just see me after. I don't have my phone on me, but I'll definitely uh, give you our address. So tonight, drop on in. Um, this week coming up is, uh, oh, in fact, at the end of service is our Christmas ornament. So we have those. So we have one for each family. We'll give those out at the uh, end of service. This coming Friday, December 8th, we're back for our food uh, ministry. That's the setup at 1.30 in the fellowship hall. And then our free food outreach ministry at nine o'clock but come and serve at 8 30 come and serve at 8 30 inside outside kids crafts and then we'll uh, we'll have something special for the kids when we do it on the 23rd so that'll be uh, at the end of december and because i was asked this morning uh we'll do the ugly sweater sunday on the 17th of december now don't wear the ugly sweater you wore today no i'm just gonna i'll say that uh, find, you can find them anywhere nowadays, but Ugly Sweater Sunday, we always have prizes uh, for those. So some of you, right, your juices can get going already. Ugly Sweater on December uh, 17th. All right, two verses for our tithes and offerings today. 
Now I want to read out of uh, Isaiah 54, verse 2 and 3. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit nations and make desolate cities inhabited. It's always interesting when we read one of these verses, there's always some step of faith that we do before the Lord does what he does. So the Lord says those words, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out the curtains, don't spare, lengthen the cords, strengthen your stakes. Get it ready, for you shall expand to the right and to the left. And he always is looking for, right, descendants of nations. Places that are inhabited will be habited. So as we pray today in our, our offering time, as we do each and every week, we'll put a prayer up on the screen. Would you pray this individually between you and the Lord? You know, sometimes I read this verse and I always go back and say, okay, Lord, what's my assignment? Maybe I haven't been stretching things out like I should. And when I read that, it's always those challenging what are you saying to me for 2024? What areas do we need to stretch out in? But let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, I want to see more, believe more, do more, and be more than I have in the past. Today is the day to say, Lord, enlarge my faith and vision. Stretch my spirit of giving. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you're giving today in service, there's an envelope in the seat back pocket. You can place that in the slot that's on the wall as you exit by the sound booth. You go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online. You can find our P.O. box address. You can download the notes, right? Download the notes. Find out uh, different activity times as well. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phone, if you have a tablet, if you just grabbed your neighbor's Bible because they weren't looking, uh, I want to look in a couple places today. In fact, I'll get to this in a minute. But Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14. And let me read this verse, and then we'll get uh, going and started today. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son... And shall call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel means God with us. Pretty radical. A virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, Father, as we look into your words today, Lord, I pray that we all center and rest in the God that is with us. Not some other galaxy away in the heavens. Not some afterthought. But God is with me. Emmanuel. I pray this sinks into our hearts and our spirits. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You know, uh, every once in a while we do get, uh, churches get crazy phone calls. People leave messages. And in fact, I think it was last summer, some, some lady was mad. Oh, two summers was mad that our VBS was only two and a half days or two, because we should offer VBS every day of the week in summertime because people have to work, you know. 
why are all these VBSs at night? You know, I was trying to explain to her, well, it's volunteers, right? People, it's not like it was back in the day. Well, first phone call I remember uh, getting at the church, we had set up our outdoor nativity. If you haven't seen it, it's outside already, come by at night. And so this lady called, and uh, she left a message in the middle of the night on the, the voice machine, and it just said, I wanted to let you know that your, though your nativity is beautiful at night, you are confusing the community and the children. So she went on to say, you know, the wise men were not at the manger. Well, we know that when we read the Bible that they came later and it mentions Jesus was at a house. But it doesn't need to mess up your nativity at home. Like, go remove the wise men later today just to make it, like, biblically accurate. So she was going on about the wise men, and I'm concerned that children would see that, and, you know, they have a misconceived perception. And she said, and you need to be biblically correct. Jesus should not be put out in the manger until December 25th. All right. So you kind of throw that one out. So, you know, but all of us come into this season we, uh, we get surrounded by lights and decorations, songs that have been, seems like Christmas songs we've been hearing since August. Any of you Christmas songed out already? You know, Christmas songs, but it is beautiful. I, I think um, people decorated for Halloween and then just switched the light color, right? It was orange and then they went to a Christmas one. But really the, the message of Jesus' birth, what we celebrate as Christmas, what we read, here's the shocking thing, is when Isaiah prophesies this, it's around 740 to 760 B.C., before Jesus' birth. Imagine prophesying that a virgin is going to conceive and bear a son, and his name is Emmanuel, God with us. That's a pretty radical prophecy that didn't happen for 740 or 760 years. I'm sure the prophet, when he said, okay, God, I'll say that, boy, they're going to think I'm absolutely crazy. Old Testament, you were a false prophet, they stoned you to death. Right? That's how, that's how they did it. But it reminds me of this, that, that God has always been with his people, and I want you to remember this today, that he considers us and knows us as his family. We're his family. He came to us. He came to us. He found me. Look at your neighbor and say, he found you. That was a pretty hard thing to do, right? Found you out. He found you. He brought you. He brought me into his family. He brought us in. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, I, I always think of this verse, especially in the beginning, how things happened in the Garden of Eden. But I want us to look at a couple things of God's response to Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. And it says this, And they heard, notice they heard, the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Maybe you've read this before. So when God comes uh, to them, the act of them disobeying, eating the fruit, 
had already happened. But one of the things that we see in this verse that we look at is probably God was already doing this. It was probably something that he already was doing as relationship with Adam and Eve because they heard the sound. It's interesting when you look up those words in the Hebrew, the word sound, they heard the sound is actually the voice. It's translated the voice. Or they heard the voice of the God walking. Or that word walking also means calling to them. Adam! Adam? Adam! Calling. You ever done that to your kids before? How many of you, you kind of had a rule, I don't call you a second time, right? When I call you, you come. I'm not going down the road of calling out. But here's what we see God doing in the midst of the disobedience to him. Remember, the enticing thing to them was what the serpent Satan said to them. No, 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 no. Don't, don't listen to what God says. He knows that if you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like him, right? That self-imposed thing. But God came to them. They were doing what? Hiding behind a tree. You don't think God knows where you are? I think we need to remember that. You don't think God knows right where you are? They're hiding from him. And yet he continues to call that sound, that walking. So God came walking right into their situation. You know, I think that's important for us to remember that regardless of the situation you might find yourself in today, you know that God comes to you in the middle of your situation. He's not unaware of what's happening. In fact, he knows exactly about it. But we have to get that realization on the inside that it's God with us. That's what was promised. Now, let's not be like the people that hide from him. You know, when my, uh, when my daughter was, was little, we were living in North Carolina the first time, we would play hide and seek. But because she was so little, I would hide in our pantry and I would stick my toes out under the door so that she'd find me. So she'd run around, try to find me, and she'd see my toes, and she'd usually like step on my toes or you know, do something like that. Well, I never hid and I never scared her. I never did any of that. But as kids, right, they love playing. They want to find you. And you didn't want to like go somewhere where they couldn't find you. You wanted them to find you. My son was a little bit different because when he played hide and seek, he was into Star Wars and he had those plastic lightsabers. So the way he wanted to play hide and seek was when you found somebody, you hit them with the lightsaber. So when they're like three, four, and five, they don't hit you soft. Like they hit you with all of their might. And you're like, oh, that hit you. You want to pick it up and hit them right back, but you don't dare do that. But you still always made yourself available that they found you, that they could find you. They're not looking for God. They're not calling out for help. God is the one that's coming to them, Right? He's coming to them, the sound of God walking, coming to them, calling out to them, wanting to be with them in the midst of this. And so we read this verse, Isaiah 7, 14, that um, Isaiah prophesies, again, 740, 760 years before Jesus was born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The sacrifice that could only happen 
and the blood that was shed that could only happen that God did through his son for all of mankind. And I thought about this. How many of you, if there was a draft and one of your kids was going to have to go to the draft, how many of you would jump in? If they would let you, you'd go before your kid, right? I mean, grandkids. No, not this grandkid. We'll send him. (laughs) How many of you, you'd do whatever it took to sacrifice yourself so that your kids wouldn't have to go through that? I think that's part of the parental nature. But not in God. God knew right at Genesis 3. In fact, we know this. Before the foundations of the world, God knew that Adam and Eve would choose to do their own thing and be deceived. And he already knew that the Lamb of God would have to be slain before the foundation of the world. And he did it anyway. He knew what Jesus was going to have to go through on earth. He knew he would be despised. Do any of you remember when your kids would come home from school and somebody called them a name? And they were just so upset because somebody called. When what did you want to do as a parent? You wanted to show up to school that next day and find that kid that called him a name, right? And settle it out. You wanted to do that. God knew what Jesus was going to have to go through to be rejected, to be despised, to be sacrificed. And he did it anyway. So in our lives, never underestimate God. Never underestimate him because he's the God that is with us. Isaiah, again, prophesies uh, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's read those names all together where it starts with, and his name. Let's read that together. Ready? And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In fact, if you do a study, I almost brought them to read them all. There's so many different names that we even read about Jesus, living water, bread of life. I mean, there's so many different names of who he is to us. And yet Isaiah prophesies this out as another list. So we have the God with us, but the God with us is wonderful. It's our counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's your prince of peace. You know, we always had like our kids have a couple different names. Like Madison, um, we always called her Madison, but some people called her Maddie. And then we had, uh, somewhere, somewhere along the line, Punky came in, right? So she had like three names. Maverick, we'd call him Mav, right? Mavi, uh, all those. When, when we were growing up, if you heard your middle name called, you were in trouble, right? If I heard Walter Richard, oh, what did I do, right? Because nobody ever uses my middle name unless I'm in trouble. But when we go back to these names of Jesus for us, they're a promise for us that God is coming to us. God is coming to us. So we read this again. Now, Matthew is going to rewrite what Isaiah prophesied in Matthew chapter 1, where he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. 
So we have that promise back in 740 to 760 BC, and now we have that promise fulfilled with the birth of Jesus, that it's a God with us. But John writes it a little bit different, and under the Holy Spirit, he wants to remind us this. And the Word, another word of Jesus, right? Another name. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice what he says. And the words, capitalized, Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. God with us. Couldn't Jesus just have been dropped down at a 30-year-old man? It didn't have to go through all the birth and being a child and 12 and have to go through the teenage years, right? All of those. No, God knew that he had to be born, and he had to be born from a virgin, and had to go through life just like you and I go through life, but without any sin. But he came among us. You know, I was thinking about that. Any prominent leader, and even if we, if we think about it today, a celebrity, if you wanted to, to set up some type of meeting with them, they're probably not going to meet with you. They've got, right, private transportation. They've got security. They, they live behind gates or live behind different walls. And they're never going to know your name. They're never going to know who you are. And they're never going to get to know who you are. That's exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. He came and lived right among us. In our lives today, December 3rd of 2023, Jesus lives among you on the inside of you. God is with you. And I can never underestimate that regardless of the situation, that he is always with me. And I thought about this. You know, the Bible's very clear for us when we read it. We're blessed to have God's word. Do you know that? We're blessed to have this. We're blessed to go through and read it, and read it, and read it, because the Bible's clear that when Jesus would be born, Galatians chapter 4, 4 says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, and here's kind of when we knew, born under the law. He had to be born under the law. So we knew kind of when, we didn't know an exact year, but we knew that it was mentioned, in fact, the Apostle Paul lets us know there, it was the fullness of time when he was to be born, he was to be born under the law. Well, how would he be born? Well, we read that in Isaiah. Virgin birth, right? We knew that. Well, where would Jesus be born? That's not a hard question. We would all pass that, right? What city was that again? Was it Galilee? Bethlehem. It was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. In fact, do you remember when the wise men came to Herod? And they wanted to know where the king of the Jews was born. He got the scribes, the ones that would write down the law, that would make sure that the different synagogues had a copy of the law. He got them and said, now, this king of the, where is he supposed to be born? Well, they went out and found it. He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Well, we have that according to the Old Testament. And we know why Jesus was to be born. He would be the savior of the world but he would live among us. 
But I thought about this when we opened up with God, because God and his family are so important, right? His family. All of us have dysfunctional families, don't we? There's not one of us. Does anybody have that uncle in their family? Or maybe it's you. <laughs> you think it's the uncle. It's you. All of us, all of us have our, our different things. But God starts not just with Adam, Adam and Eve. They have two kids, Cain and Abel, right? We see a, a family. Noah, his wife, his three sons, their wives. There's uh, um, Abram and Sarai before they're Abraham and Sarah. They have uh, Isaac. Well, there's going to be more descendants, but then there's Isaac, Leah, and Rebekah. We read about Jacob, and he's got 12 sons. We read about Moses. Aaron, and then we read about their sister Miriam. There's Mary and Joseph, and then there's Jesus. But did you know that Jesus had brothers and sisters? We don't know how many, but we do know that in the Bible that some of them did not believe in who he was. But we also know that there were some brothers that he called to come into ministry with him. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, fishermen. And he calls... Uh, he calls two other ones, Peter and Andrew, right, that are brothers. But even though he had family that didn't believe, they probably all believed uh, once he resurrected. But here's what we know. One of his brothers, James, wrote the book of James. And we know that Jude, one of his brothers, wrote the book of Jude. And even the Apostle Paul mentions some relatives in Romans 16, 7. It's always a family. God desires that family element he comes in the cool of the day walking that sound to be with them regardless of them hiding he's going to be with them the God among us but here's where it begins with it begins with me right begins with me I need to remember that he's with me Emmanuel and he's with me right now Right this moment, decisions that I might need to make, situations that might be happening and unfolding, things that I might be thinking through, he is with me. I'm part of his family. I'm in relationship because Jesus is my Lord. I'm thankful that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That he leads, guides, and teaches me, but it begins with me. And then Jesus mentions it over and over again. I'll always be with you, right? To the end. In fact, I'm going to, I have to go, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit will be with you. It's far better than I go because the Holy Spirit will be with you. And so it's important to remember this Christmas season, and it's not about that we read these verses at that time. We need to remember every day, God is with me today. Monday morning, when your alarm clock goes off at 530 in the morning, ugh, God is with me. That work meeting or a, a, something that might seem difficult, God's with you. With that son or daughter or grandchild, God is with you praying for them. God is with us. Well, bow your heads if you would with me today. And I always want to remember some of Jesus' powerful words to us that again shows us the God among us is in Revelation chapter 3.20 where he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice 
and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. That illustration of Jesus wanting to dine, to sit and have a meal with you out of relationship, but it's you having, me having to open that door to let him in. And with all of our heads bowed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never surrendered your life and said, Jesus, be my Lord, forgive me of my sins. If you've never done that before, I want to invite you this first Sunday in December to make that decision. Maybe you've been, you've been running in the opposite direction from him and today's a day to come running back to him because he's the one coming to you. Always, just like Adam and Eve, that sound in the garden. I want all of us to pray this prayer, but if that's you today, would you pray it and believe it in your heart? But let's all pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I choose to make you the Lord of my life. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Father, and I pray for us today that we would get that understanding, that deep understanding, that conviction that, God, you're with me, that I never underestimate that you're not with me, that you proved it and sent Jesus to walk with me. You've given me your words to direct my steps, to, to give me a light on the path. You've given me the Holy Spirit to teach and instruct me and to speak to me. And so, Father, I, I thank you today that I come back under that. And remember, you are with me. You've promised it. And I live it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as we close today, if you prayed that prayer, accepting the Lord for the very, very first time, and I have to remember, sometimes we'll get different emails in off of the podcast, but please connect with us at the end of service uh, so that we can pray with you, most important part. All right, stand with me, and I want to read this verse. Uh, unless you want me to grab a guitar and do it a song, I can do that too. It would be a beautiful Christmas song today. And I, I read this, and I wanted to, to close uh, with this as kind of a prayer. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to the God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Father, we thank you, we worship you, we give you honor, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. As you go today, uh, uh, Frank and Cindy are going to slip up for prayer. Um, in fact, if Linus and Marina, if you slip up too, if you need prayer today, please come up and pray. We also have, and we'll pull the hat off the rabbit's mouth. Uh, we have an ornament, one for every family, so you can come on up front, get your ornament, place it on your tree, uh, or take it to your work. But um, please come up if you need prayer today and come and get your ornament. But the Lord bless you. If you need directions to our house, come see me.